Luke chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 1 to 7. Praise God. Amen. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. These census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the hymn. Now this message I want to talk about today and what I'm preaching today it's one of the things that actually changed my perception as a person or as a pastor or a child of God and everything. And funny enough, the first time I was thinking, I thought to myself, I've been preaching a long time. I, the first time I preached this message, it's over 22 years ago. And, you know, and it's something that I, I just believe is for somebody right now. Now, Jesus Christ, in the Bible, when you look for examples, one of my favorite person in the Bible, the best person for me outside of Jesus would be David. But obviously, when you read anything and it has to do with Jesus, I pay particular attention to anything that has to do with Jesus. And when you read your Bible, now I've told us, I said, there is no Old Testament without Christ. Because you see, without bringing the Old Testament to relate to Jesus Christ, then it's a piece of history book. But when you understand that the old counsel of God is about Jesus Christ, the old counsel of God is about him. I I'm telling you the truth. From the beginning in the Garden of Eden, you will notice straight away that immediately something went wrong. Jesus Christ was introduced into the scene and God helped to cover them all with the blood. Now, so from Genesis all through, everything about the Bible talks about Jesus. Now, you got to follow this very well. But the amazing thing about Jesus is the simplicity of his life. And how the Bible says he sympathizes with the feelings of our infirmity. And we are able to call him our brother. Now, the coming of Jesus into the world was not by accident. The coming of Jesus into the world was planned. It was foreordained. It was arranged before the foundations of the earth. The Bible says the Lamb of God had been slain before the foundation of the earth. Now, it didn't surprise God that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden because in the foreknowledge of God that is extremely accurate, God already made provision before the saint. And so the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, has been slain before the foundations of the world. In other words, he's been slain even before Adam and Eve were created. And before the foundations of the world, he was created. In other words, he was already given his assignment and his purpose even at the beginning 
beginning before anything happened to anybody. So the coming of Jesus into the world was not by accident. God planned it. God ordained it. God settled it before he came. And I wanted to picture yourself. I don't know how many of us like a little bit of drama. And get yourself into Jerusalem. Get yourself into Israel. And begin to think about what was going on before Jesus was born. Now you remember about the Roman government. You remember the Syrian. Everything was mixed together. The children of Israel were under serious distress. They were captives. They were, they were, they were under, under the control of another empire. In fact, the nation of Israel wasn't really particularly existing when Jesus came. But listen to this. Everybody expected this great warrior, this great man that would come. The zealots were expecting him. You know the zealots? The zealots were expecting him. People like Judas Iscariot, they were waiting for a powerful king. Somebody was going to step in into the situation and deliver them from the yoke upon their neck and set them free from the attack of their oppressors. People were waiting for him. They were expecting something big, something massive. Everybody was ready, waiting for the fulfillment of the prophetic, waiting for everything that Isaiah told, told them about, waiting for all the things that Jeremiah said. All the minor prophets spoke about him. And most times when they spoke about him, they spoke about everything about him, but the children of Israel were wired to seeing Jesus as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Somebody was going to show up on thing with pomp and pageantry. Somebody was going to show up with a lot of energy, a lot of expression, with a lot of power. They were expecting somebody to show up that his eyes would be blazing red fire, who would speak with words that are so powerful. That was what they were expecting. They were expecting him. They were waiting for him. In the tabernacle, people were waiting for him. The Bible talked about Simeon. He was waiting for him. The prophetess Anna refused to die. She was waiting for him. And everybody was waiting for this king of kings and the lord of lords. The one that Isaiah told them that upon his government, now that the increase of his government shall be no end. So you can imagine what they were waiting for. They were waiting for such a powerful expression of the almighty God. They were all waiting. And so while they were waiting, of course, you know the story, God, God, by the hand of Gabriel spoke to Mary and you know what happened. And so these people were waiting, but God started the work. Everybody said, while they were waiting, God was working. While they were waiting, where the prophetess are honored, where Simeon in the temple, where everybody waiting for the expression of this great, mighty king of kings to set them loose. While they were waiting, God was walking. While they were waiting, something was happening. Micah 5 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, effort to do, you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be a ruler. Whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. And with all the prophecy of Jesus Christ, when the time came for Jesus Christ to be born, everything was so normal. In fact, things were so below normal for him, for his mom, for his dad, that when the time came for Jesus to be born, nobody paid attention to him at all. How many times are we filled with the energy expecting something to happen? But when God begins to move and is quiet and gentle, we fail to see it. Because while all of them were waiting and the time came, nobody was able to detect that something 
was about to happen. And so when Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the maker of the heavens and the earth, now comes among them, the one who made them, and he came amongst his own people, and they brought him, the father and the mother, brought the pregnancy of Jesus into Bethlehem, according to the word of God, according to Micah. And when he got there, nobody had regard for any one of them. I want you to think. The title of my message is Space in the Manger. Nobody, nobody paid attention to them. Nobody knew anything was happening. And the king of kings and the mother of the Lord Jesus and the father, earthly father of the Lord Jesus, entered into Bethlehem like a nobody, not recognized, not known, not respected. No noise, no pomp, no pageantry. Nobody celebrated the pregnancy. The pictures of the pregnancy were not shown on Instagram. Nobody knew about anything. It was just quiet. And nobody gave them any attention whatsoever. Can I talk to somebody right now? There are some of us that are full of, you're pregnant of dreams. Uh, many of us are like Jesus Christ. You're full of dreams. You are full of passion. But nobody will give you space. The Bible said Jesus and his mom, they arrived in Bethlehem and there was no room for them. There was no hotel. There was no hospital. There was no room for them. I'm talking to somebody right now who is pregnant like Mary. You're pregnant with ideas. Pregnant with so many things. But every year you turn it into people don't listen to you. People don't want to hear what you're talking about. It's as if you're carrying nothing. It's as if you are empty. People look at you with disdain. People don't recognize that you have something. Even sometimes you're beginning to doubt yourself. Because now you knock one door shut on your face. You knock the second door shut on your face. You approach your family members shut on your face. Because sometimes I begin to think about, about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and I'm thinking for God's sake. The Bible says he went back to his own village. He went back because you had to go to your village to be registered, to be counted, so that there will not be double counting. So he went back to his own place of bread. went back to the root. And when he got there, there was nobody to accept them. And I was thinking for a while, could it be that they had no relative left at all in Bethlehem? Because the Bible didn't talk about the uncle, the Bible didn't talk about the sister, the Bible didn't talk about anybody that Joseph knew about. The Bible said there was no space and I'm thinking he should at least have been able to find a relative's house. But you know that sometimes in your life that when you really want to bet something for God, you are not going to find room anywhere. I'm going to push you a little bit. You might not even find room in your own house. You might not find room in your own heritage. You might not find room with your dad and your mom. You might not find room with them. Because when God is about to bet something that is authentic through you, it might be that nobody will listen to you. It might be that nobody will accept what you have. It might be that and nobody will adhere to the calling of God upon your life. And then I'm talking to somebody like Joseph. And then you have been leading your family and you're doing it exactly the way God told you. Now God told Joseph, he said, take your wife and I'll be with you. And Joseph was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. In fact, in line with the scriptures according to Micah, he was taking the family to Bethlehem. I'm talking to someone who like Joseph. You're telling yourself, I've been leading my life exactly the way God wants me to lead it. And yet, no space and then you wonder sometimes did, maybe God didn't talk to me the devil is a liar God spoke to you 
And maybe you're telling yourself, maybe it was just my fantasy. No, it wasn't your fantasy. It's a genuine calling. Because when the devil knows that it is genuine, he wants to confuse you. He wants to let you think that it's nothing after all. Look at it. If God actually called you, you should also find favor. Every door you knock on should open. Every application you apply, every job you apply for, they should take you. The devil is a liar. Because when you carry something that is authentic, you might knock a door and it won't be open. You might apply for a job and nobody is going to give it to you. And that's not because God doesn't like your face. It's because you are greater and more than that person who is trying to get you a job. You are bigger and better than the people you are looking into. You are bigger and better. The Bible talked about the prodigal son. We call him prodigal son. The Bible said he came came so low and the Bible said even the swine would not allow him to eat with them. And the Bible said God forbid that nobody gave him anything. There are doors that if you knock those doors and they open for you, your destiny will be cut short. I'm, I'm telling you. There are doors that if they open for you, you will become reduced in the fulfillment of your destiny. Because God wants to do something in your life. That even your mom would not take the glory. Even your dad would not take the glory. God wants to do something in your life. That there is no human being that would take the glory. That you'll be able to say, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our sight. I, I, I know somebody here, you, you, you are really like Jesus and there's not been sufficient space all your life. Some of us when we were growing up, it was really pretty tough. Nobody will allow you to say a word. Shut down, shut up all the time. Call you bad names. Tell you you're gonna, never going to make it. You are a useless piece of material. The devil is a liar. It's because there's something on the inside of you that is too profound, too big that they were unable to grasp or comprehend and I don't want you to think like them because the day you begin to think like them the day they begin to win I want you to think like your father God have you ever been there when no one takes you serious? Have you ever been there when you are really, really trying your best but the still won't accept it? Are you, have you ever really been there that you know everything you're doing is spot on? You know within yourself you're sincere. Everybody think you're fake. You know within yourself that you're genuine. Everybody around you thinks you're not genuine. You know within yourself that what you're saying is real. But even the closest people to you fail to understand. Can I tell you something? Not only you. Jesus was there. He was there. Joseph and Mary were not rich enough to have a house of their own. There are many of us have houses in our villages. I'll tell you something. Joseph, the father of Jesus, when he got to Bethlehem, he had nowhere to sleep. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because somebody's thinking, my life is closed down. I've not really built in the village. The devil is a liar. That's got nothing to do with your purpose. It's got nothing to do with your, with your destiny. Whatever, listen to this, that God needs to move you forward. No devil can take it away from you. Got there, Joseph and Mary were not rich enough to buy a house for themselves. They were not wealthy enough. They had, they had no relatives to turn to. They had nobody to turn to. They could only get into a guest house. And unfortunately for them in a guest house, they were not good enough to sleep in the rooms. So they got to the guest house. And if they have been well to do, they should have been able to secure a place in the inn. Especially when you are considering the state of Mary. You have a wife that is already nine months pregnant. And then you are so poor. And I am not even thinking about how these guys will begin to afford a push here. So poor that after traveling on the donkey for that long, 
you can't even find a little tiny space to put a nine-month-old wife that you've got. And nobody would even pity the woman. You know some people, human beings have been wicked a long time. Because if people have not been wicked a long time, I think if you see a woman nine months pregnant, you will not ask the woman to go and sleep with sheep. But these people didn't care whoever they were. But it was good that they didn't care. Because if they had cared, they would have taken the glory. And if they had cared, Jesus would not have been able to start exactly the way God wanted him to start. I'm going somewhere. Because you see, I don't consider it a bad news at all that the door was shut on your face. To me, it's not a bad news at all that you were rejected. It's only a bad news if you can grasp it. It's only a bad news if you don't understand what God is doing in your life. She was great with a child and yet nobody opened the door for her. I want you to turn to two people and tell them, don't write yourself off. Uh, tell the person, it doesn't matter who's written you off, don't write yourself. Don't write yourself off. When you're struggling to be heard, don't write yourself off. When you try your best and still not accept it, don't write yourself off. When you're struggling and nobody want to listen to you, don't write yourself off. When nobody believes in you, don't write yourself off. It's not because God doesn't like you, but because he has a special plan for you. No matter what you do, don't disdain the gift of God inside of you. No matter what you do, don't throw away your dreams. No matter what you do, don't bury your passion. Don't bury your talent. Don't bury that gift. Don't bury it. Whatever you do, keep on trusting God. Because a miracle is brewing in your life. And don't expect that everybody around you will be able to see it. Because it has not been given to many people to see. They're not going to see it. No matter what you do, don't disdain that gift. Don't disdain that capacity. Don't disdain that dream. Don't, 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 don't. For some people, you're pregnant with rubbish. But in the eyes of God, you're pregnant with the son of the living God. In the eyes of God, you're pregnant with something that will change posterity. You're pregnant with something that will change what people think. That You're pregnant with something that will reorder the mindset of people. They don't know what you carry and that's why they're not giving you the respect that you deserve right now. Job chapter 8 verse 7 says, Though your beginning was small, your latter end would increase abundantly. Though your beginning was small, your latter end will increase abundantly, abundantly, abundantly. Can I give you this? The devil is a wicked devil. And so when things are not going your way, one of the problems or one of the things that would happen is you begin to get bitter. What the devil wants to do is to get you so worked up that the things that are happening outside of you begin to gain control over you. And then you become bitter and 
angry with everybody around you. If somebody wants to be sincere in this place, you would notice and you would know that there have been times in your life that you became so angry with people, not because of what they did to you, but because of what is not working in your own life. Because, you see, you see, you see now this is the strategy of the devil because when people find themselves in this kind of situation and they can't explain it, they begin to feel sad and feel bad. When they find themselves in a situation where things just doesn't work the way they thought. Some of us, we know we're so heavily anointed. And so you expect your life to produce more results that you are producing. And because you're not getting the result now, you become frustrated. You become beaten. You allow the wrong thing on the outside to make you a wrong person. You allow the wrong situations of your life to make you a wrong individual. You allow the things that are not working in your life to make you not to work. Don't feel bad. It is not always for people to know what you're carrying. It's not always for them. Because they don't know what you carry, they're not expecting you to deliver anything worthwhile. Please, don't kill yourself over that. Some people are too short-sighted to know and to see what God is doing in your life. Men walk by sight. I don't think when you get to the office, somebody in your office will understand that you are the new solution in that office. Don't you think that when you get to that job, then everybody will just know that you've been, all your life, you have been wanting to get that job. People will treat you normal because they don't know what you are carrying. Just imagine if the owners of the hotels and the inns and the mansions knew that Mary was carrying Jesus. Just imagine. Just think about it for a minute. Just imagine when, 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 when Mary and Joseph came into Bethlehem and it was on the news. It was on the news that a woman called Mary is pregnant. And she can put to bed any time from now. Just think about it. And then there's this news that she's now nine months pregnant. You know those princes. We know the day they conceive. You, you understand? So now you can calculate that this is now nine months of pregnancy. Imagine what would have happened. If when she was entering into Bethlehem, it was said everywhere that this woman is going to deliver the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's going to deliver the, the, not, not the prince, but the king of kings. What would have happened? Some of them would have been fighting to have her in her own hotel. Hospitals will have been fighting over to get out to their place. Everybody, some people will even offer to pay our money to take our pictures. They will offer our money just to come to their own space. But they couldn't tell what she was carrying. Listen to this. You need to convince yourself that you are carrying something on the inside. And it doesn't matter if people around you could tell or not. It is irrelevant. It doesn't matter whether the people that you are exposed to right now can see. It is completely irrelevant. I have lived my life to know and to, to, to not pay attention to whoever is around me. 
It's impossible for anybody to tell me I'm useless and it will even get into me at all. I have such a thick skin that no negative word in life that you speak will get across to me. It is impossible because every time somebody see me lower than I am, one thing I am sure of is that they are blind. And it's not their fault because they know my God. It's not their fault because even if they can see, they can't help. It's not their fault because they're not going to help you to fulfill your dreams. Sometimes, why God doesn't allow people around you to see what you have is because if they see what you have, they will patronize you. They will rally around you. They will pay you attention. They will tell you, oh, wow, you are the best thing that happens in sliced bread. They will sing your praises and shout you on the mountaintop. Now that you know that the probability that you're going to give birth to the king of kings is very, very high. But thank God that they cannot take the glory in your life because they can't see it. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. As long as God is in what you're doing, he will make sure by himself that he gets you to the place that is assigned for you. Turn to somebody tell the person that's a space for you. There's a space for you. We serve a listen carefully. We serve a mighty God who would never give you a dream, who would never give you a pregnancy without a space for delivery. We serve a God that will not call you without an assignment. We serve a God that wouldn't create you and grant you so much anointing that you have, so much knowledge that you have, so much talent that you have without creating a space for you. I'm going somewhere right now. You must first of all believe within yourself that I have my own space. You must believe within yourself Listen, listen. Maybe this is the only thing you want to get out of this message. You must be convinced within yourself that I have my own space. Oh, come on now. I want this to really sink in. Young people, listen to this. You're going to be in a world that is unfair. But if you're not convinced within yourself that you have your own space, you'll be frustrated. If as a ministry we were not convinced in the city of Preston that we have our own space, the land was difficult and tight. But a conviction that we have our own space where there is no space. I want somebody to believe with all of your heart that there is a space that is reserved for you. It's reserved. Listen, it is reserved for you. And you must believe it all of your heart. You must believe it with all of your heart. This is not a space that man makes. Because this is the problem. This is not the space that man makes. This is not a five-star hotel because that was not the space for Mary. This is what not the best hotel. This is, wasn't the best hospital. No, but the space that God has prepared. The devil thought he had all the good spaces covered. 
But he didn't know that the best space for you is the one that God has received for you. <laughs> uh, you knock that door, it was short. The devil celebrates. You knock another one, nobody want to listen to you. Because the best door for the fulfillment of your purpose is the door that God will open for you. It's the door that God has opened for you. It's the door that God has received for you. I pray today that some of us will become spiritually sensitive. Not to run after shadows. Not to run after things that are not... Not to run after other people's spaces. Not to run after knock on doors that will never open. I pray that the Lord begin to inspire you, speak to your heart, so that you can begin to recognize that there is a space for you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 to 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out unto your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Can I ask you a question? Maybe you're looking in the wrong places. Maybe you're looking in the wrong places. Maybe you need to look a little bit closer and find that space for the delivery of your dreams. There's always a space around you where the process can begin. There's always a space around you. When Jephthah was sent out by his brothers and he became a vagabond, listen carefully to what happened to Jephthah. Jephthah's destiny was to be the judge in Israel, but at that time, there was no space for him. But you know what Jephthah did? Jephthah found a place in the wilderness. He found a space to start from. He found a space with vagabonds and wanderers. He found a space with, with non-entities and people that nobody would talk to. He found a place with them and he started in that place. Many of us want to become but we want to start on top. No, it's not possible. You're going to fall. You have to learn to crawl. You have to learn to count your steps. You have to learn to walk. And then you can run and fly. There's a space around you where the process can begin. I pray that the Lord will open your eyes and open my eyes and open all our eyes so that we can find an empty feeding trough around you. Question, why was the feeding trough empty? was a space reserved for Jesus. There's, there's this feeling trap. There's something around you. There's a space around you. I pray that the Lord will open your understanding and open your eyes and sensitize you from the inside so that you can see not with the eyes of men but with the eyes of God because men judge with their sight. The Bible talks about Jesus that he will not judge by the sight of his eyes. Pray that the Lord will fill you with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to begin to grasp the things that only God can show you. Open your eyes because there's an empty feeling trough around you. Find a space to start. Accept the space that you have. The spaces you have lost cannot stop you from the fulfillment of your purpose. Somebody didn't like you 15 years ago. How has that changed your life? If it change your life, you are a slave to their thought. Somebody said you were not going to make it 15 years ago. If that has influenced your life today, you are a slave to them. I want you to break free because you're not a slave to anybody. 
your life is in the hands of the Most High God. The problem with us many times is that we despise the space that God gives to us. Somebody, somebody, maybe what God wants you to do is to become maybe someone, maybe, maybe to own your own, I don't know, McDonald's franchise. And when you are looking for a job, the only job available is McDonald's on the till. <laughs> For those who don't have eyes, who don't know where they're going, they would disdain the job. That might be the preparation. I know people, not that I, I know people. In fact, I know someone that in this country, what he did was security job. That person I'm talking to you now, you don't want to know his office is occupying in Nigeria. Security job. From that security job, he mastered the job and opened a security outfit. And from day one of that, he became a multi-multi-millionaire. I know someone, some of us will know the name if I mentioned, all the person did outside of his country was to claim and went back to his country and started a claiming company with excellence and expertise. Boom! Loads of money. I am saying something to somebody right now. Our problem oftentimes is greed. Our problem oftentimes is to have an appetite that is not yes our own. Our problem is when you're supposed to buy a bicycle, you want to buy a car. Our problem is we don't understand that there is a process in life. And because of that, we disdain and despise the days of more small beginnings. What's wrong with a manger if you know you are going to be the king of kings and the lord of lords? <laughs> What's wrong in a manger if you're sure within yourself of where God is taking you to? I pray that the Lord will show you the picture of tomorrow. And when you're sure where you're going, you don't care today if you don't have money in your pocket because God already told you that you're going to be a financier in his house. Oh, am I talking to anybody? May your eyes open to see beyond today. To see beyond 5, 10, 20 years if possible. Because if you can see that. What's wrong with the manger for Jesus? When he knew he was going to be the king of kings and the lord of lords. What's wrong with the manger? When he knew that he is on a journey that is going to set him high above everybody. What is wrong with Jesus who being in the very nature of God, the Bible says in Philippians, that he considered it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and became the lowest of all men. God, you know, delivered among the people of animals. And after all that, his parents were poor, doing carpentry with his father, walking the streets of, his, of, of, of Nazareth and Jerusalem. Somebody looked at him and said, this guy looks so poor. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Went through all that and the Bible said, wherefore God has given him a name that is above all names that are the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Listen carefully to this. If you know where you're going, you will not despise the days of small beginning. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven uh, uh, rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which can run to and through the end of the earth. For who has despised things? Because people look at Zerubbabel and thinking, what is he doing? 
what exactly is this guy doing? <laughs> but the Bible says, it's not by power, nor by mind, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Another thing you don't want to do when every shot is closing your place and you are looking for space is do not. <laughs> oh, how do I say this properly in the language you will understand? I know what I want to say, but I don't want to say it like the, 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 the regular way. What I want to say is do not compare yourself with others. But I'll say it like this. What I want to say is this, that you should not look at another person's wrist to watch to live your life. All right, some of us can get that better. Don't compare yourself with anybody. Don't ask somebody what's the time there to, to manage your life. God helps you. If it's me you are asking, it's always five minutes fast. See, you're in trouble now. And then you're going to start rushing. And say, Pastor says it's already 11. No, it's not 11. It's 11. My wristwatch says 11 real time and it's not 11. But if you walk by my wristwatch, you will run yourself to the ground only to get there and see that you are too early for your blessing. You will run yourself to the ground only to get everything done and see that there is nothing waiting for you because the timing of God for your life is the perfect timing, not the timing of another man, not the timing of what people told you, not anything that anybody suggests. Listen carefully, I'm going to push it now. If a man of God comes here and says in seven days, uh, that are on everybody in this place, your story will change. Uh, the devil is a liar. If God doesn't want your story to change in seven days, the man of God can't change it. He makes all things beautiful in his time. There is an appointed time. There's a process of time. And so don't compare yourselves with anybody. I want you to look at somebody square in the face and tell the person you are unique. You know, when we say you are unique, it means a lot of things. One of our DNA is this church is the DNA of uniqueness. Uh, when we say you are unique, it means a lot of things. You are also unique in your troubles. Hmm. You are unique in your talent. You are unique <laughs> in your gift. <laughs> you are unique in your experiences. You are unique in your crying. You are unique in your weeping. Listen, that if you are crying because something has gone wrong, don't think all of us will cry because of it. You are unique in your suffering. You're unique. Uh, that, that, that's it. So uh, don't envy people's blessing if you don't want to envy their problem. Don't like my car. If you don't want to like my scar. Don't like what I do. Don't just like the things you see. Because everybody is unique. And that's why some of us, we face life in such a way that you see that and say, why me? What have I done? Can I tell you? Why not you? Everything you're going through is in alignment with the divine call of God upon your life. And it has to be you that we go through it. Why is my own so hard? It has to be your own that is hard. Because you see, what you will get after it is also going to be your own. Why, why was it Job that lost all his children? Because it was Job that was going to have double-double. Yes! Why was Jesus nailed to the cross? Why did you say, why me? Why am I the only one? And the God just didn't listen to him. Now, by the time you will sit at my right hand, you will not be saying, let them kneel you up. It has to be you. 
what is it like, like Lama Sabakhtani? You are forgotten for that time. You are bearing the sin of the world. But for a reason. Look at somebody say, for a reason. You are on a journey. It has to be you. You are unique. You're unique in your experiences, in your talent. Because when we tell people they're unique, we always just think about the positive. We always just think we're unique, you know. I'm unique. I have a unique talent. I have unique. You also have unique problems. And that's why somebody's canceling and saying, you know, you, you know, I can feel what you're feeling. Most times they're lying. They can't feel it because they have not gone through it. They can't feel it. All right? If your car did not crash, don't tell someone who's got a cracked car that can feel it. No. Until your car crashes. And your car might never crash. It might be your bicycle tire that will go. Because that is your own. How am I talking to anybody here? You're unique. Don't compare yourself with people. I always say this. Your purpose is not their purpose. So your experiences cannot be their experiences. And of course you know that their success cannot be your success. You are unique. Don't compare yourself with anybody. You might not have a silver spoon today, but some people started with silver spoon and ended with wooden spoon. Maybe it's better to start with a wooden one and finish with a diamond spoon. Who told you the silver is the highest? The Bible spoke about Solomon. The Bible said Solomon made silver of no value in Israel. Silver. It, they were, it became useless. Silver. Silver is like sand. In the wealth of Solomon, silver became downgraded to nothing. Listen to this. When you walk with God and stay with God, his desires for your life, that's what is perfect. Hallelujah. But you know what? How many people know that song that says he's working for our good? When trials come, they have only come to make it strong. You know, I like the song that says, Through it all. Through it all, through it all. I have learned to trust in Jesus. I have learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all. I have learned to depend upon His word. He says, I have seen so many mountains. There are things that if you, there are places that you have to pass through to get to some places. And if you are interested in getting there, you must pass through this place. I think it's Luke 12 or 11.49. Jesus said this. He said, there's a baptism I have to undergo. He said, do you think I've come to just mess about? He said, I've come to set fire. He said, but I can't until I go through this baptism. And you have to go through it. It's a must for you to go through it in order to become the result of it. How can you become refined when you have not gone through the furnace? How? Can you become that beautiful verse if not that you have gone through it, and the glass blowers blow you into shape. How can you become that piece of pottery that is made by the master, except that he has already broken you into pieces to put you together? If you can't go through the journey, don't expect the success. No matter how intelligent you think you are, 
you don't enroll for your PhD, you're not going to get one. And they say, but some people have honorary. I'm telling the truth. You think it's easy to have honorary one? All right, you'll get yours tomorrow. If you have not enrolled to be a solicitor, don't, don't, nobody's going to bring it to your house. There are journeys associated with every result and you're also ready to pay the price. But you know what? It is for my good. Look at some person is working for my good. Oh no, you got to say it. Oh, slap that person that's sleeping. Tell the person is working for my good. And we know that all things Romans 8 28 work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called, called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God, listen carefully to this. God is a strategist, God is futuristic. God does not waste his energy to give to satisfy you presently while your future is not safe. God does not waste its energy to gratify you today and waste your tomorrow. God is a master in teaching us delayed gratification. Where are you? As I was preaching last week, that you have become arrogant. You are just starting. What have you done? What? Now you have bought a brand new car. You have a new job. Now you are now this. What? Look around. You will see people who have done 10 times, 20 times than what you have done. They are still not arrogant. Where did I hear this lately? A Chinese proverb, where did I hear that? Was I listening to something? I can't remember. That the rice with the largest grain always bow. The rice that has no grain stands up. When you carry grains, you will become heavy on top. You will bow. People who are arrogant are generally people who will go nowhere. They die quick. They get frustrated quick. Their success is cut short. They have nothing. They are already arrogant. You won't last. When a rice carries proper grain, it bows because of the weight. You will say, wow, God. Ah, why have you blessed me? But people who just have one grain, they will stand up. <laughs> See my one grain? <laughs> See my one grain? Every time you raise your head up to show yourself you are carrying little, when it is heavy, you will bow down. Do you not see how some men of God, the way you will bow? You see all this arrogance that you want to show everybody everything you are? Everything, you know, I've just done this, I've just done that. What have you just done? What have you just done? Put everything in pounds and pennies. What have you done? Now you have a new job we can't raise. Job that you have not done for more than two, three years. Even put everything together. One footballer will collect all your life in one day. But why are you arrogant? If one of these boys begins now, God just open their heart and they write one software and then Microsoft decides to buy it, they, they will pay the salary of 50 doctors in one month. 
comfortably without even without even anything. Okay, you're arrogant now. You're a consultant. A footballer, 16 year old footballer, will pay your salary for one year in one week. Listen carefully. <laughs> All those things, they don't matter. When you are in purpose, whether small or big, you are content. Paul said, I have learned to abate. If you put me on the floor, I am happy. That's what he's saying. But if you give me five billion pounds, I will still be myself. Look at someone saying, money is coming. But it can't change me. My wife had a prophetic word this morning. He said that he's very sure that God will bless people seriously. But that she's just praying that after that they will not develop amnesia. Where your brain suddenly become blank. You know, I've been a pastor for a few days. I've seen people go from the, like that to like that. And many times I've also seen people, once they have tiny little blessing, it enters their brain and reprocess their thought and convert it from godly to ungodliness. You will not be that person. And if you're already on that path, may the Lord deliver you. Let's come back to this message. How easy would it have been for Herod to kill Jesus if he was born in a five-star hotel or a renowned hospital? <laughs> Do you know now I feel like I want to preach? Start now. Look at some person is working for my good. Tell the person, I want the space in the manger. You see, there's a way I can preach. You will like trouble. You, you are saying you will like it. You will be praying that God give me trouble. God give me trouble. If you understand how good trouble is. It, listen. If you understand how being broken is. If you understand what tears can produce for you. Sometimes laughter cannot generate. Jesus did not laugh on the cross. He cried. When he went to get someone, it was blood that was coming. Do you not understand? There are levels you will not get to until you are alone with the Lord and it breaks your hip. There are, listen, there is a level of faith, a level of work with God that some people will not get into yet because you have not gone through anything. Life has been too easy for you. And that's why when you see somebody who is poor, you think, can they not read? You see somebody fail their exam, you say, these people are just dull. Can they, what they, want to take? Can they not just read their book? You have not been through anything. One day, you will fail your interview that you are the best. And then it will dawn on you. I remember what the Kennedy said one day. <laughs> Here on the altar, so I can say it. He said all along in his life, he has been passing every exam. When he came to England and failed his driving theory test, then it dawned on him that even intelligent people can fail. And then it will reset your understanding of failure and success. You will now know that you are ordinary. It is of the mercies of the Lord that we, all of us, you, me, all of us, are not consumed. Imagine how easy it would have been for Herod to kill Jesus if he was born in a five-star hotel. Can I tell you something? You need to celebrate your space in the manger because that is the best way for God to keep you from the attack of Herod. You have to celebrate your space in the manger because that is the best way for God to keep you from arrogance, from rising up too early to show yourself so that you can be like David. When the Saul wants to throw, you know how to dodge and how to run. 
You have to celebrate your manger because if God did not hide you in that place, Herod would have killed you long ago. Can I tell you somebody, why they thought you would amount to nothing? If they had known you will amount to something, they would have dealt with you more. <laughs> if they, they thought your story won't change, thank God for you that they thought it won't change. Because if they had known that it would change, they would have increased their capacity for, to frustrate you. You worked in an office, they thought you would never get promotion. It's better like that. Because if they knew you are going to get promotion, you are able to get it. You see, some of us don't understand how God works. They will mount up sufficient resistance against you. If Jesus was born in a good place, a five-star hotel that everybody knows, you say, ah, which hotel are you saying in Preston? You say, Ashwood. Nobody knows where it is. For I'm just sorry. Uh, sorry for Ashwood, but you know, do you know where Ashwood Hotel is? You see, you don't know. Okay, do you know where Marriott is? Uh-huh, see, if Jesus was born in Marriott in Preston, he's a dead mate. Everybody knows the place. Yeah, let's go. He's there. That's why God is hiding you. Look at some people saying, God has been hiding you. But you are complaining. Will you not repent? God has been hiding you. He's been hiding you. Not that he cannot give you a brand new car. He gave you a old one. <laughs> so that your brain will not explode. He's hiding you from arrogance. Hiding you from self-sufficiency. Hiding you. Hiding you from all of those things. God is hiding you. He's trying to keep it cool for you. So that you can go through the process so that when you get on top, no devil can bring you down. No ungodliness can bring you down. No power of the enemy can bring you down. Because now you are being built up by God. Look at somebody saying, I like my space. Even if it's in the manger. I like my space. Even nobody knows about, even if nobody knows about it yet. I like my space. You need to begin to celebrate your manger. Job 8, 7, 6. Though your beginning was small, the latter end will increase abundantly. It is not a negative thing to start small. So don't complain about where you are now if you believe and trust God who is taking you to the place that he has prepared for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think about it. As we bring it to a close, I will begin to pray. Though your be- nah, I can't go away from this scripture. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. I, I thought I was going to hear a better amen. Though, though, though your beginning, though your beginning was small, your latter end will increase abundantly. It is not a negative thing to start small. Do not complain about where you are now because where you are now is always an advantage if you trust in the almighty God. Appreciate where you are. God will turn your mess into a message. He will do for you what only God can do. Despise not the days of small beginning. Even if it's only in the manger that you've got space, God will still take you to the heights and to the throne. He will take you to the throne. He will take you to the place that he has reserved for you. God will bring you from the manger to the throne. Hallelujah. 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 I wanted to hear it again. 
I'm just saying it again. Just begin to be in the spirit. Worship the Lord. We're going to close. Though your beginning was small, I wanted to feel it. Though your beginning was small, your latter end will increase greatly. It is never a negative thing for the Lord. For you to start small, it is not a negative thing. Do not complain about where you are now. Don't complain that things are small. Despise not the days of small beginning. God will walk through your mess and turn it into a message and do for you what only God can do and take you from the dunghill and cause you to sit up on high with princes and kings and queens. That is exactly what the Lord will do for you. But you need to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path.